Yes, and good morning to you. We are glad that you are here at Dorisville Baptist. You know, I think probably I so enjoy those kids on stage dancing. And you know the crazy thought that popped in my head? Imagine those deacons up there doing the same thing. People would pay money to see that. I just could imagine them bumping into each other, and yeah, boy, that's a great thought. Hey, you may have walked in like I did and said, what is up with all the chairs, you know? I knew we were going to be a little bit smaller crowd today because a lot of the folks are over at uh, McKinley. But I said, what is all the chairs? Oh, and I now remember, that's right. It's, it's All-Star Celebration Night. We've got almost every chair we own set up, and probably we'll set up some more um, in the process, white chairs. There'll be a huge crowd. You're welcome to come tomorrow night. I think it's 6.30. If you've not been to an All-Star Celebration, it's worth coming to and be a blessing. But here's the deal. You can tell the rows are not six feet apart. I turned back to, to Lori and Dave, and I said, you guys are close this morning. All right? So, so because we're not six feet apart, I need you to do me a favor. If there's someone sitting in front of you, okay, or behind you, would you mind holding your breath until church is over? We want to be saved. We want to be saved. No, not really. Not really. Hey, we are in, we are smack dab in the middle of love. It ain't for sissies. And we are learning that love can be difficult and love can be challenging. I think next week is about loving your enemies. And so I'm sure uh, a lot of folks will come for that one, I'm sure. But anyway, today we have kind of a surprise because um, I actually didn't plan it, um, but we got a part two. We talked last week about the house that love builds, and we talked about the house on the rock and the house on the sand and all of that, but it all keyed on hearing and doing, hearing and doing. And so now today, we've got part two, and we're actually going to get to Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 16 through 21. And of course, we don't want to forget our, our key verse. Now, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And I'm going to be upfront, candid. This might be as close as you find me in a teaching situation. Um, I honestly believe these are such valuable truths. Uh, I've started praying every week that God help me to, to don't run when I need to walk and help me not to walk when I need to run. And so I pray I'll be able to get out slowly today because these truths, these truths could be game changers in your life. I hope you will be bold enough today and open your smart device and go to the bottom corner where it says uh, more and go to events, open up, and to a place there you can follow the slides, you can save it, so it'll be there in the future, and also you can take notes on your smart device. I hope you'll do that. I, I would tell you to take notes on a piece of paper, but I don't do that, and I feel a little bit hypocritical. I'm not a note taker. That's why God gave me Judy. And so she's a note taker. I'm not, okay? And so anyway, I hope this will be a big blessing to you. Now we want to start out with our verse from last week, Psalm 121. If we'll go there, one, there we go, 127. I made that mistake. Psalm 127, 1. And here's what we said last week. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Let me read that to you again. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Now, we talked about the fact, and trust me, I'm not going to preach this all through, but we talked about last week the house could be either our homes our homes, or it could be our lives, okay? It could be either one and be equally appropriate. And then we assign the role, uh, because we're building a house and construction, we talked about the Lord being the general contractor. He's in charge. He oversees the whole event. And, of course, he has rules that we should follow. And remember last week, we, we talked about uh, those three kinds of obedience, 
Um, you know, there's partial obedience where we pick and choose the part that we want to obey from God's Word. We compared it kind of like to Golden Corral, and, and you go to pick the things that you want. And we have a tendency to do that uh, with the Word of God. And then we say, oh, I'm obeying the Word of God. Well, actually, you're only obeying the parts that you choose to um, obey, and there's a word for that, and we call that disobedience, disobedience, okay? Okay, and, and then we talked about delayed obedience, and that's where we, we're in a situation, and it's difficult, and, and we intend to obey, but we're kind of waiting for the situation to change. If we have to forgive someone, we're hoping by tomorrow it won't be such a big deal, and so we won't have to forgive them, so it's called delayed obedience. I'm, I'm going to obey, but I'm going to do it later, okay? And there's a word for that. And it's also called disobedience. And then we have this thing called flawed obedience. And flawed obedience is when we do the word of God, do what it says, but we do it for the wrong motive. We do it begrudgingly. You remember, you remember how God said that he loves a cheerful giver? You know, he's not too fond of the ones, you know, that, that chuck their money in, but they do it begrudgingly. When the usher goes by, he has to peel your fingers off the dollar bill, you know, <laughs> like that, and to get the money in the pot. Yeah, well, anyway, so, so, so God doesn't want us to obey begrudgingly, and it's almost like we're being disobedient when that happens. So the general contractor's got some rules we go by, and he wants us to build a house. And here's the big deal. We learned that, you know, if we don't let him be the general contractor, then the work of the builders is wasted. We, we're wasting our time. We're wasting our energy because, you know how it is, we get our hands on things. Um, we tend to mess it up. So there's just a, a chunk of truth that we need to learn and remember in that. Now, our first teaching point as I studied and wrote and wrote and studied, it just became obvious this is such a big teaching point, a big teaching point. And I really want to encourage you to get your pencil and write some of this stuff down because, again, we're going to talk about the home in a few minutes and it's so applicable to this. But here's the teaching point. Um, nothing brings peace and security um, in the home like the love of God and the word of God lived out loud. I like that. I like that. Not, not because I wrote it. I like the truth of it, okay? Let's read it again. Nothing brings peace and security. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Nothing brings peace and security in the home like the love of God and the word of God live out loud. Now, over in the 23rd Psalm, you're familiar with that, the Shepherd's Psalm, um, in verse number 6, it says something like this. It says, Surely goodness and mercy, goodness and mercy, will follow me all the days of my life. And uh, for ages, and some old pastor said this once, and it's stuck, and you'll find it in commentaries, and you'll find it in, in illustration books. But, but goodness and mercy are called the hound dogs of heaven. The hound dogs of heaven. And it's because of 23.6, where goodness and mercy will follow me. And just like, just like a, a good coon dog, gets on the track of a coon and won't stop tracking, won't stop tracking. You know, the psalmist is saying, you know, goodness and mercy is like that, that, that he, he'll just keep tracking us. He won't let it go. And they call it the hound dogs of heaven. Well, I would like to say today that peace and security are the hound dogs of the home. We, we so desperately need peace and security in our homes. These need to be the hound dogs that track and pursue our homes, the heart for our homes, peace and security. See, 
you don't need me to say this, but, but you know that, that the home should never be a war zone. Whether it, whether it be between mom and dad or whether it be for the parents and the children or distant relationships, whatever it is, you know, it's a dangerous, dangerous thing when the home becomes a war zone and it's something that God never intended to be. And yet in so many homes, and you know this is true, in so many homes that's exactly what it is. The, the home should be a safe zone. The home should be a safe zone, a place where you can come and find peace. Well, what's the best way then to bring peace into your family? What is the best way? This is very practical. Um, how do you bring peace? Well, here's what I know from the Word of God is that the, the opportunity for the home to be a peaceful home uh, would be greatly increased if the members that live in the home, the family members, have one trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. And because here, you know, we're at war with God, and then when we trust Jesus Christ as Savior, are you ready? We have peace with God. Peace with God. So, in us home, when these family members are not at war with God, oh, this is fixing to be good. If people are not at war with God, chances are they won't be at war with each other either. It's really good. It's really good. Okay, so, so the first thing toward a peaceful home is, again, we've experienced the peace with God. But it goes one step further because not only is the peace with God, there's the peace of God. The peace of God. And, and as we live out the rules and regulations um, of the Lord Jesus Christ, we find there that that, that peace, that peace comes. That peace comes, okay? So, so that's, a, that's a really big step of how we can experience um, peace in the family. Now, the way, we, the way we experience that, okay, is hooked up to the security of the family, okay, the security. Now, now with the peace, we're obviously going to live out the love of God we found in 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to let that out. But the security is also just essential. In so many homes... There is no security. And I'm not talking about, you know, where's, where's the next bowl of beans coming from? Uh, that's critical. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not talking about, will we have to move because we can't afford the house anymore? That's crucial, okay? But I'm, what I'm talking about is the integrity of the family, the security. In way too many homes, the word divorce is thrown around like so much candy. You don't do this, I'll leave you. If you don't do this, I'll divorce you. And the kids pick up on that. I still remember, gee, am I right that it was Jennifer? One day she came home from school. One of her good friends, mom and dad, was getting divorced. And, and she said, mom, dad, y'all going to get a divorce? And I, we sat down immediately and we talked about it. I said, you've never heard that word from us. And you never will hear that word. It's just not an option. So, so one of the things that, that people need in a home is they need that security. They need it from each other, but of course they also need it from God. And you, when you get security, you talk about security from God, you've got to include the Word of God. Now, if you remember also last week, um, we talked about the Word of God, and we talked about the need to be obedient. But here's the deal. The Word of God has three things that are very important. You need to write these down, okay? Uh, number one um, is this. We need to stand on the promises, when we talk about the Word of God, we need to stand on the promises. So when God makes a promise uh, that applies to us, then we need to stand on that. Secondly, we need to obey the precepts. 
We, we look at the, the, the rules for living, if you will, of what God says, and we choose to obey those precepts. And then the third thing is we practice the principles. Practice the principles. Let me go to those again. We stand on the promises. We obey the precepts, and we practice the principles. And when we start doing that, okay, then we find security in the word of God. But but how can, Dwayne, how can we make that even more practical in our lives? Well, that's what's really cool. In Colossians chapter 3, again, we're reading it last week, we're going this week. In Colossians chapter 3, it's just a big chunk of how to do life. And, you know, it's really a big chunk of how to do Psalm 127.1. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. It's a big chunk in the New Testament of how we do that. Let's look at Colossians and chapter um, 3. And what, yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it. Colossians chapter 3. I thought I'd skip something and I didn't. Look at this. This is a great verse. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts. So, so this is a big, big picture of how we live out the word of God in our homes so we can feel secure not only with God but with each other. Almost every word has particular meaning. For instance, look at the word let. That's one of the last things I wrote down today. Let. I circled it, and you should circle it too. I circled it, and I put the word allow. It, 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 it just projects a choice. Are we going to allow, or are we not going to allow? Um, Brother John Carr was talking in our men's time upstairs, and he, and he used uh, Philippians 4.13 several times. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's one of our favorite verses. At least it's one of our favorite verses as far as memory goes. We like to memorize it. But, but I really put a twist on that one day, and I said, okay, God, I understand Philippians 4.13. I can do all things. The question, God, is really this. Will I do all things? It's not, it's not can I do. It's will I do. So, so Paul sets this up by starting by saying, are you going to let? Are you going to allow, okay, this word of Christ, this word of God, and then these next four words, particularly the, the sandwich, the word of Christ, dwell in you richly. The, the word dwell there um, means to take up residence. Uh, literally, um, from the Greek, it means to tabernacle. It means tabernacle. It means to give, it means to give the word of God permanent place in your life, permanent place in your home. The, the word of God will not be a dust catcher on the table. It will be a life changer in your heart. Okay? Okay? So to dwell, to dwell. I remember a while back I preached, not this necessary scripture, but I talked about the dwelling of the word of God. And I said, you know, the word of God when it says dwell there is not talking about checking into an Airbnb. Okay, some of y'all know about Airbnb. You go, it's kind of like a new way of a staying. And you go in and you check in for a day or two. Paul is not saying that we're going to let the word of God dwell um, in our lives a little while. Uh, temporarily. As it's convenient. The word 
Again, dwell there means a permanent idea. We're not checking into Super 8. We're not checking into Days in or Holiday in. We're inviting the Word of God to be a permanent part of our home and our lives. And look at the next word, or the end of the word. Let the Word of Christ dwell, take residence, tabernacle, in you richly and lavishly. You know, again, there are some, some things I like to lavish. Um, sometimes at home we'll make strawberry shortcake. Actually, it's a pretty common thing. Um, we'll have pie crust or we'll have angel food cake. And Judy will put the, you know, cut up the strawberries. And then we make homemade whipped cream. And I'm telling you what, that stuff in the can is fine. If you need something to shoot in your mouth, it's a fun thing to do. Okay? But if you want real whipped cream, you get mama to get you some heavy whipping cream and some sugar, and you beat that thing in that bowl, and it, shoot that thing. It, it, it swells up right there, and you putting that in your mouth, and you got the sugar going on, and you got the cream going on, and you got the sweet going on. There's a lot going on is what I'm trying to tell you. That's what it means richly. Not, not, just, not just five minutes here or there. Not, not, no, no. It's richly. It's lavishly. Let the Word of God... Dwell, take up residence in your house in a lavish way. You know, you go, you go to the grocery store these days and you see a lot of empty shelves. When it comes to the Word of God, you should never wake up and find an empty shelf where the Word of God should be. Come on now. Come on. Come on. There should not be an empty shelf. Your, your grocery store should always be packed with the Word of God. Let it dwell, let it dwell in you richly. And then Paul gives us four things, how do we apply that? How does it work out? How do you play it out? Okay. Number one is teaching, instruction. The Word of God should play a major part in your home and in your life about how you do life. The Word of God should play a big part in your life and how you do life. It's to be a book of instruction. And notice we're teaching one another, it says. Teaching one another. Sometimes the dad's the teacher. Sometimes the mom is the teacher. Sometimes the kids are the teachers. So the best sermons I've ever heard and the best life lessons I've ever received are from my children. And you know that's true. You know that's true. Again... When you saw up here at the beginning of the service, that was a great lesson in joy. It reminds me, Dwayne, don't get stiff. Stay young. Stay joyful. And make sure, make sure the church stays young and stays joyful. So we should instruct one another. Um, we should admonish one another. We should admonish. I wrote down three things. You might want to write it down too. Um, first one is this. You know, that word includes, includes advising. Advising. So we're going to allow the Word of God to advise us in our lives. And we're going, to, we're going to teach and advise one another. Okay, let the Word of God do that in our lives. Uh, number two, guiding. Guiding. The Word of God, and we should guide one another through the Word of God as we do life. Okay? It's our compass in life. It's our North, north Star um, in life. And the third thing it carries in context there is correcting. It's correcting. It's sometimes we need correcting. Sometimes... Sometimes the daddy needs to do correcting, and sometimes the mama needs correcting. And yes, sometimes the children need to issue correction. Mom, dad, you know that's not right. 
Out of the mouth of babes, amen? Out of the mouth of babes, all right? So, so all those are important. So, so we're to teach, we're to get instruction, we're to admonish one another through, through advising and through guiding and then through correction. And then we come upon this, singing, singing. Now, the home, part of the Word of God in the home is there should be blessing. I love this song we sing normally at the Lord's Supper time. It's a song of blessing we sing at the end. And I tell David every time we sing it, it's the, it's the only song I know that washes over me. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord uh, keep you from generation, from generation, from generation. It's a beautiful song. So, so we, then, we then are singing hymns and, and psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We are washing blessings over our family. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever bless your family? Daddy, do you ever bless your family? Mom, do you ever bless your family? Children, if you're here, you, know, you are, the Bible says, a blessing. So do you ever bless your parents? And we do that with words of affirmation. And we do that with love. And we do that with concern. Do you have blessing in your family? Is it a major part of who you are, whatever your last name is, you know, you know whatever last name, for the, for the blank household, is blessing a part of it? Is blessing a part of it? And then we get down to this huge thing, with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. Gratitude. Graduate. It, it's a lifestyle. It's a way you live. It's not, it's not you win the lottery and you're thankful all of a sudden. It's mm, that life is the lottery. And every day is a blessing. This is the day the Lord hath made. We shall rejoice and be exceedingly glad in it. Oh, by the way, just for free, uh, I've, I've changed that one too. I, I pray that regularly. God, thank you that this new day you've given me. Let, let me rejoice and be exceedingly glad in it. But Father, I know the question is this. Will I be exceedingly glad in it? Will I be exceedingly glad in it. So these are four things that are so important in our families as we're building security based on the Word of God. We're, we're going to have instruction. Uh, we're going to have blessing. We're going to have admonition. We're going to have thanksgiving. Oh! And right in the middle there's one tucked. Admonishing one another in all wisdom. One definition of wisdom is the proper application of of knowledge. It's taking all of this, but particularly the teaching and admonishing, okay, and saying, make sure you apply it with correct wisdom. Take that knowledge you have and apply it correctly. You should not be using the Word of God as a whip or a rod in your family or your life. Or your life. So this is just like chuck full. And then. Then Paul moves down to verse number 17, and he is fixing to set us up. Okay? Here's what he says. And whatever you do... Now, again, you might want to write that down or underline your Bible or circle it. Whatever you do, because here's what I know, and you know, whatevers can sometimes be pretty hard. Sometimes whatevers are fun. Sometimes whatevers are easy. Sometimes whatever is great. But a lot of times, that whatever can get pretty hard. And today is the day. Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Here it is again. Giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So whatever we do, we're going to, you know, whether it's word or whether it's deed. 
The things we say, the things we do, the things we say, the things we do, we should do in the name of the Lord Jesus. Hey, can I ask you a question? How's your speech? How's your speech to mama? How's your speech to daddy? How's your speech to your kids? How's your speech to your co-workers? Is it in the name of the Lord? Does it honor the name of the Lord? Hey, how's your deeds? How's your deeds? Whether it be at home, how are your deeds to the children? How are your deeds to your wife? How are your deeds to your husband? How are your deeds to your co-workers? Are they also honoring in the name of the Lord? And all of that should be done by giving thanks to God the Father because of gratitude, because of the cross, because of what Jesus Christ did, the fact he redeemed us and he saved us because we're on the path of following Jesus, okay, then we're going to do all of this with gratitude. Not begrudgingly, but openly. Not begrudgingly, but openly. All right? Now, I remember that whatever I told you about? Uh, remember I told you whatever's can be hard? Yeah, well, get ready. Here's what it says. This, this is never... This, can I back up, Nancy? Let me catch that, that teaching point. Thanks so much. Yeah, back to the teaching point. You're on. You're spot on. There you go. This is important. I can't let this one go by. Because this is... I've got three things that are big today, and this is the first biggie. Okay? And it's setting you up for the whatever. Remember, you don't respect or love or obey... For him, her, or them. Okay, you got that? You don't respect or love or obey for him or her or them. You do it for capital H, him, because he's always worthy. Because what I'm fixing to teach you ain't popular. In fact, it's just, these are one of those things, you know, remember the partial obedience thing? Well, this is one we want to rip out of the Bible. Because it's stinking hard. Okay, And we say, yeah, but he's not, and she's not, and they're not. The kids, I wish I could take them back to Walmart. I wish I could rewind the clock and marry the right person because I obviously didn't marry the right person the first time. It's all of that. Just remember, we're talking about God building the house, and the general contractor's got some great ideas, and if we don't follow it, we're wasting our efforts. Okay? And remember... Okay, you do it for him, and he is always worthy. It's not for him, small h. It's not for her, it's not for them. Well, let's just see what Paul's got to say. He starts out by saying in Colossians 3.18, he says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now keep in mind, this is coming from the general contractor who's in charge of building the house, the home, or your life. And his first piece of advice for the wives is that we, you should submit yourselves to your own husbands. Now I know all the garbage and baggage that's attached to this, but we're going to lay that aside because it's God's word talking. Okay, and we're Jesus followers, and we don't want to be guilty of partial obedience. We want to be obedient followers of Christ. Why submit yourselves? Now, here's the deal. Um, we've, you probably would have done it different, and I would have done it different, but the bottom line is, when God established the family, 
he chose the husband to be the leader of the family. Doesn't mean he's king. Doesn't mean he's a dictator. It simply means that he is the leader in the family. And God's word says your responsibility as the wife is to fall under his leadership, to be under his leadership. You know, every corporation has a leader, the military has leaders, society has leaders, and so should the family, and the husband is the leader. And I know what you're thinking, you don't know my husband. He couldn't lead his way out of the bathroom, okay? I know what you're thinking, I know this, okay? But would you hang with me? Because here's the deal. See that word submit? That is a way that we can show your love for Jesus and your love for your husband. But let me give you something I think is more practical that may help you, okay? Words like this. Um, you know, wives, respect your husbands. See, see the, way, the way you can show love to your husband is by respecting him. We, we men crave that. Now, now, I know what you're thinking. See, I know you guys. Okay, and you're thinking right now, he's not worthy of my respect. Well, hang on, hang on. Let, let, let me finish, okay? And then, and then the, the second word comes to my mind is to believe. Believe in your husband. And you're saying, you don't understand. I, I, I can't believe in him, okay? Oh, hang on. Would you wait? Because this is so valuable. It's, to a husband, to a man, it is so valuable to be respected. One of the things that Judy does for me, you know, in fact, I talked about it with a friend I was talking with over here after first service in a totally different context. I said, you don't know how many times that, that I just feel so inadequate as your pastor. I feel like I come up short. And, and after a hard day, I'll go home. And, and Judy will, will likely encourage me and say, well, let me just tell you something. I believe in you. I believe in you. But you know what's more important? Look at me in the eye. God believes in you. God believes in you. God believes in you. So, so it's a strong thing when you can show respect, when you can believe. And, and when you trust him, you say, Dwayne, I would not trust him with a dollar. He's proven he's not trustworthy, okay? I understand that. Would you hang with me, though? Would you hang with me? Because these three things are ways that you can affirm and show love to your husband. And he will not tell you this, so your pastor will. We need that. We need that, okay? Let's go to our teaching point. Submitting is all about respecting. Again, I'm sorry, society. I'm sorry there's been some preachers who told you you were a doormat. That is a false thing from hell. All right? It has nothing to do with doormats. You are not less than. God did not create you less than because he says we are created equal. Okay? Has nothing to do with that. It has saying, God says, hey, listen, I'm going to establish an organization and this organization needs a head and it's my decision. Whose decision? Yeah, it's not your decision. It's God. Come on now, shoot that thing. See, it's my teaching mode. See, so, so it's not your decision. It's God's decision. He says, I'm going to put the man in charge and lead the family. You may have come up with a different conclusion. And when you become God, you can make your own conclusions. Until then, we've got to follow his because we're Jesus followers. Okay? So, so submitting is, a, it's, it got quiet. I'm glad my birthday's not near because I wouldn't get any presents. So, submitting is all about respecting. But the best way, now remember, now you've got to love your husband. And the best way to love your husband is to show respect to your husband. To trust your husband. To believe in your husband. Trust me, you don't need to tell him his flaws. He may put up a front, he knows them. And I, I, I'll, 
I'll bear my soul for everybody else. There are so many times we are facing major decisions. You understand there was a decision I had to make one time that said, Judy, I feel God leading us to get out of the Air Force, to go from making a very handsome salary to making $12,000 a year with no health insurance, with two kids under five. Did you know there's time when we had a great ministry going to Lamont and I had to look at Judy and say, Judy, God's calling us to a place called Cobden. So we picked up everything, left all our friends, and went to a place we didn't know. Did you know 22 years ago that same thing happened again? That we had, we had a church family that loved us dearly, and God said to me, it's time to go. But God don't make any sense to go. He said, I know it doesn't make any sense. Just follow me. And she followed with me. I mean, I know, listen, I'm just saying, no, no, no I, I'm just telling you. Men face some bigger decisions than you ever know. Respect them. They need your respect and they need your love. Now here's biggie number two. Here's biggie number two. The easiest way to respect your husband, and I'm going to put some words in here just to make it, okay? The easiest way to respect your husband is to not see him through your eyes. To not see him through his performance. To not see him through his failures. The easiest way to respect him is to see him as God sees him. And trust me, God's pretty fond of him. In spite of his, the word I used Friday, in spite of his warts. In spite of his failures. In spite of his sin. God's pretty fond of him. And God's really fond of you too. So the big is this. You don't have to respect him because he's earned your respect. You just have to respect him because you respect God. God calls the shots. But here's why it's a biggie. In just a moment, I'm going to flip my page on my notes and we're going to hit the next verse. And it says, Husband loves your wi- husbands love your wives. And here's what I know. It's easiest way to, to love my wife is to see her as God sees her. You women aren't perfect. The best way to love my wife is to see her as God sees her. And you know those kids you want to send back to Walmart? Yeah, the easiest way to love them is to see them as God sees them. That employee you can't stand at work? Yeah, the easiest way to love them is to see them as God sees them. It's a game changer, folks. It's all the difference in the world. You know, Jean and I have been married now, coming up on 46 years. And I make, make jokes about her and me, how I'm the loser in the group and she's the winner. I married up and all that. But the bottom line is part of the 46 year success is that we've learned to respect one another and we try to see each other as God sees us. She's not perfect. I'm not perfect but we serve a perfect God who loves us and will help us. Does this make sense? This is a marriage saver. This is a home saver. It's huge. Well, let's get, let's get the guys in. 319. Husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter toward them. What? That, that, where did that come from, Paul? Well, first off, you know, see that word love your wives? Now, we've got a teaching point coming. We're going to save that just for a moment. But, but that's a deep sacrificial love. Uh, let me make it easy for you. That word is the same word that God uses when he says, I love you. 
It's the same word that caused that. For God so loved the world. It's that love. It's love. So husbands, husbands, husbands. This ain't no weenie buy flowers on, on, on Valentine's Day thing. This is die on the cross kind of love. Husbands, die on the cross kind of love your wives. Husbands, die on the cross kind of love for your wives. That's the kind of love it is. Well, how do I do that? Dwayne, you don't know her. No? But I know this, the best way to love her is to see the way God loves her. And God's really fond of her. God's really fond of her. It's like he's fond of you. See, this last part stumped me. And boy, I finally got the answer. Because here comes Paul. You know, husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter toward them. And I'm going, now, this is a culture where in too many situations, the, the women were property and the kids were property. I'm going, what's that mean then? And then I got it. It's what he just taught us. Husbands, submit to your, a wife, submit to your husbands. Show respect to your husbands. Okay? And I got a feeling he's saying, hey, when your wife doesn't submit to you as the leader, not dictator, not dictator, but you're, making, you're, you're trying to make a big decision for the family because it's falling in your lap to do so because you're the leader and she doesn't line up. When your wives don't respect you and he's killing you, and, and, and she doesn't believe in you. She told you last week when you brought home that measly paycheck from that measly job you got because you got passed over for, this, for a promotion five times because you're a measly person. Doesn't respect you, doesn't believe in you, doesn't trust you. Paul said, don't be bitter toward them. If they don't respect you, don't you be bitter. If they don't believe in you, don't be bitter. If they don't trust you, don't you be bitter. But Dwayne, that's not fair. It's not right. Yeah. Well, see, that's why you do it for Jesus and not for her. Now, here's the crazy part. Husband, love your wives. Here's what I've discovered. If a husband will love his wife with the die-on-the-cross kind of love. If, if a husband will love his wife with a die-on-the-cross love, what happens is, is she... Remember what the, Paul said? Love covers the multitude of sins. Peter said, I think. Love covers the multitude of sins. You're going to find when you love your wife um, as with a die-on-the-cross kind of love, you, you're going to find out that, that, you know what? You may have a measly job, but she'll believe in you. And she'll trust you in spite of your warts and flaws. And she'll respect. You know what? I think any wife would respect a man with the mean, most menial job. If he was in love with Jesus and in love with her. Shoot, that's good. Shoot, that's good. A woman will love a man 
who's in love with her and in love with Jesus. Warts and all. Warts and all. Let's look at our teaching point. So Paul says, God, husbands, God instructs us in Ephesians 5, 26, you know, love the church as Christ loved the church. To love our wives as Christ loved the church. A, a die on the cross kind of love. A die on the cross kind of love. And I say it will involve dying. You probably won't have to take a bullet for her, but you have to die yourself so you can put her first. See, your wife is more important than your mama. Amen. Thank you, sir. Your wife is more important than your mama or your grandmama. Your wife is more important than your children. Your wife is more important than whatever your current hobby is. It's God, your wife, your children. And everything else falls in line. Husbands, someone's going to give me a dollar after church. I know it. Husbands, God instructs us to love our wives as Christ loved the church. We will have to do some dying. But keep in mind, unless the Lord does, unless the Lord builds the house, then we labor in vain. These are the keys to a successful home. Let's look, let's look at the kids real quick. I know a lot of them are not here, but mom and dad, I'm sure you'll be passing along to them. Now, children is not a, a demeaning term. It's a, it's a chronological term. It's not a, a position term. Okay, Children, obey your parents in everything. Now, I, didn't, I, I just remembered, I didn't get that caveat in. Remember the wives when we said, husband loves your wives, okay, as unto the Lord, as the Lord allows. And that the caveat I did not give you, that I'll give you now, is within the parameters of God's word. If your husband asks you to do anything illegal or immoral or against the word of God, don't. Okay? I, I need to give that to you. But now the kids get the same thing because it says children obey your parents in everything. Same caveat. If your parents ask you to do anything illegal, no. If they ask you to do anything immoral, no. If they ask you to do anything against the word of God, no. Okay? But beyond that, children, obey your parents and everything. And why? And why? Because it pleases God. It pleases God. That's why. See, she said, my parents are losers. <laughs> we all thought our parents were losers until we turned 30. We realized they were a lot smarter than we thought. A lot smarter than we thought. My parents aren't fair. You know, my, my parents aren't. And, you know, and, and they, really, they really may not be. I mean, they really not be what you want them to be. But see, he makes it so clear. Paul says, I want you to obey your parents, not because they're worthy of your obedience, because it's not about that. Okay? It's about pleasing the Lord. If you're a Jesus follower, I know you want to please the Lord. And the way you do that is you obey your parents. I mean, it's, it couldn't be clearer if you tried. Okay? It has nothing to do with the quality of parents you've been dealt. You know, they didn't choose you and you didn't choose them, unless it's adoption. Okay? It has to do with, I want to be pleasing to God, and we do that. We do that. Okay? So let's get our teaching point up there. Students and children, okay, 
Obeying is loving. So here's the, and I'll go and say it this way. First, Jesus, and because of him, your parents. You obey your parents because you love Jesus. And it's a great way to show your parents that you love them, too. Okay? But you do it because you love Jesus. And then the parents get the overflow from that. Real quick, let's talk about the parents. Colossians 3.21. Now, again, a couple of commentaries I use regularly said, you know, it's okay in the Greek to, to put, it says fathers, but we were okay to put parents. So we're going to do that. Parents, do not exasperate, do not make bitter your children so that they won't become discouraged. You know, we have got, listen, as parents, you've got to balance authority and discipline and rules and boundaries. You've got to balance that. Okay, because if you come down too heavy handed on your children, you will discourage them. Throw up that that message scripture, uh, Nancy. Yeah, this this again, keep in mind, this is a paraphrase, but it really says it well. Parents, don't come down too hard on your children. You'll crush their spirits. Parents shouldn't be crushers. They should be uplifting and encouraging. And you got to be tough sometimes. You, there's sometimes, look, look at me. There are sometimes you can't be your son's best buddy. There's times you can't be your daughter's best buddy. Sometimes you just got to be a parent. But with that said, don't come down so hard on them that you crush them. You crush them. There's a great quote, and um, I can't say the name, so I'm not going to give credit. But it's not me, okay? And this is like an almost quote. And this is the third big truth, okay? Um, people may forget what you say, and people may forget what you do, but they'll never forget how you make them feel. People may forget, yeah, people may forget what you do, they may forget what you say, but they'll never forget how you make them feel. Don't crush their spirit. You don't want any baggage when your child is 30 or 40 years old because I'm telling you, it sticks to them like super glue when you crush their spirits. When you make your children feel less than, when you make your child feel second class, it sticks like glue. Parent wisely. Parent carefully. Parent in accordance with God's will. Because unless the Lord builds the house, then the labor, they labor in vain. Let me close with one more verse. I've skipped this teaching point twice, Nancy. We'll skip it again, too. You know, whatever you do, and this is Paul, from whatever you do, do it from the heart. Do it from the heart. As something done for the Lord and not for people. That's it. So, so when, you, when you're a wife and you kind of push back from that and you're a husband and you push back from that and you're, you're a child and you push back from that and then the, you know, the kids push back from the parents, just remember this. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. Now, I didn't say this in first service, but I'm going to say it now. The stuff that you heard today from God... Game changers. It may well save your marriage. It may well save your home. It may save your life. 
It may save your career. And it all hinges on God being your general contractor. We're the workers, and there's a house in the middle. And unless the Lord builds the house, we're going to labor in vain. Let's pray together. Father, thank you very much for the privilege of sharing today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I never cease to be amazed what your word says. And today is one of those days. Now, God, we're going to need your help. Because these whatevers sometimes are pretty hard. Sometimes it's hard to trust and hard to believe and hard to respect and hard to love and hard to obey. But if we truly believe we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, well, that's a game changer. And the question becomes, will we do all things through Christ who strengthens us? Help us, God, to do that. Give us wisdom. Give us courage to do the right things. Help us in a culture that's gone south on the family to lead and stand strong. We thank you for this decision time. Whatever you lead the people to do, we'll give you honor and glory. In Jesus, I pray it in your precious name. Amen.